ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, I, my first reaction is just fuck yes, let's go. Socks is that's that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in house in the central division. That's right. I'm a meatball. You got to bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're going to. Dallas Keiko Lansing got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm going to beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. White Sox fans, welcome into the Sox on Tap post game show, Sunday Funday edition. We've got all three of us here today. Giannani, joined by NWI Steve and Tony Marchese. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Had ourselves a hell of a weekend here. Hey, yo, boys, doing doing good. Able to cap this weekend off uh, pretty nicely here with a nice little W today. Employed a very important strategy that I'm sure we're going to get into here. But uh, how are you boys feeling after the festivities yesterday? That's the big question. We're, we're rocking and rolling here, Steve. Uh, victory beers are still flowing. Feeling great. I think you guys said it well. Nice little way to cap the weekend. You know, we had some fun out at the ballpark yesterday. Beers were flowing. The Sox got a win to, to round out the day, send everybody home happy. And, uh, you know, we're back at it today. It was at it nice and early, and here we go. We're going to roll through a Sunday fun day. Absolutely, boys. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little sunburnt. I'd say a little tired, but all things considered, pretty damn well. And the White Sox made that better uh, with the victory here uh, in the series finale today. So, uh, guys, obviously White Sox split this weekend series. Um, initial thoughts, reactions from this. Uh, how do you feel about this coming out of the All-Star break? You know, you don't feel particularly great about it just for a couple of reasons. Obviously, going out there and laying an egg the way that they did on Friday, first game right out of the shoot. Um, and then the first game of the doubleheader on Saturday, a winnable game. Obviously, I'm sure we'll probably get into some of the lineup decisions that, that were made there and some of the overall playing time decisions that continue to be a hot button issue um, on twatter.com within the fan base here. But you come out of this thing two and two, you get the split, but unfortunately you take three more days off the calendar. We talked about this yesterday. The calendar's not your friend anymore here. You got to start making some headway. You know, I'll, I'll go the opposite approach as Steve here. You know, I thought that there was going to be some difficulty beating the Cleveland guardians. I think that they've played the white Sox well all year and the Sox haven't played well at home at all uh, to come out of this with the split. Um, you know, as Steve said, though, the calendar is not your friend. It could have been a whole lot worse. Um, had things gone just a little bit differently. They beat a really good pitcher today in Shane Bieber. Um, I'd say the morale here is kind of high. I like what I saw this series in, in certain situations where uh, White Sox were able to battle a little bit, even in game one um, of yesterday's doubleheader. Obviously, I thought last night was a pretty gutsy performance, but what I remember of it. And then uh, today was just, you know, a, a kind of a little bit of a beatdown in the beginning there. The multi-home run strategy, balls leaving the yard, fireworks are going off. I, I'd say, you know, as we do on this show all the time, you're only as good as your last envelope. If the last envelope is this series, I'd say it was fairly sufficient for my for my liking. 
Yeah, uh, you know, I, I would have liked them to hashtag set the tone a little bit better coming out immediately. But uh, when I go and look at the, you know, look back at the weekend, uh, the first game Saturday chaps my ass more than Friday does because, yeah, sure, Giolito didn't have it Friday night, but he also got dinked and dunk a little bit to death. Um, obviously, there was one long ball in there, but other than that, there were, you know, light hit balls that weren't really going down there. We're just finding spots, um, you know, uh, not gloves for the White Sox. So, um, I could live with what happened Friday, but then yeah, Saturday, obviously some decisions in game one and then within game two, even the game that they won there, but I was happy to see uh, Lance Lynn, a nice bounce back performance to hashtag set the tone for his second half. Hopefully that is a sign of things to come from him. Uh, And then today, the home runs. I love seeing home runs and Dylan Cease uh, did the job. Obviously not his usual gaudy strikeout numbers, but still, hey, uh, like you'd like to say, Steve, you went out there and stepped up when his team needed him. Yeah, that was a very gutsy performance out of Dylan today. That's just showing the maturation of a guy that we all thought was going to be a top of the rotation arm for this team when he was acquired five years ago. And he's continuing to evolve and continuing to um, turn into that guy. Talked about this on on the broadcast, um, the fact that he didn't have his good stuff today. And that was evident by the fact that only 14 out of 25 first pitch strikes, only six strikeouts total for him, which is a relatively low number for him overall. But he went out there and he battled against a team that puts the ball in play that is the hardest team in all baseball to strike out. So to go out there, and he was relatively efficient through those first five innings of play, um, got into a little bit of trouble in that first inning, but fought his way out of it. And this is what you have to do. And this is the sign of a pitcher that you can trust that, you want to give the ball to in game one if this team can find a way to win this division here, and you'll feel confident in your chances in October with Dylan Cease on the mound. I'll double down on what Steve said here. I mean, he's he's definitely put himself in that clear-cut ace role, at least for me, for this Chicago White Sox rotation uh, up until this point uh, of the season. He's really grown so much over these past couple of years, and what you're seeing right now is a young pitcher entering what I think is going to be a couple dominant years of baseball out of Dylan Cease on the mound. Um, you know, Steve, one thing that uh, you brought up that I was thinking about too is just how tough it was for him to get through this lineup. Uh, the Cleveland Guardians, you know, the line was seven and a half, I think, for Dylan Cease strikeouts today. Obviously, he comes in on the under, but he was dominant all day. I mean, he keeps him off the board, does exactly what you want uh, him to do. Uh, against a fairly tough lineup and uh it was just awesome to watch yeah hey uh the results speak for themselves man uh no runs that that is the key right there uh and he gets w for that um six innings seven hits uh zero earned runs like i mentioned one walk four strikeouts was his final line today so um solid outing from dylan Cease. now let's talk about the multi-home run strategy wow Crazy how that works, Steve. I think you got a figure for us here uh, to share, but obviously that's Larry Garcia, who is a uh, subject of some contention uh, for his, you know, uh, the late addition to the lineup there. Uh, but he goes yard with two run shot, uh, Pollock three run shot, and uh, Eloy added on an insurance run with a solo shot of his own. Steve, tell me about this weird, amazing strategy. First, I'd like to just start off by saying I like dingers. I'm a big fan of them. I have long advocated for the White Sox to hit more of them. Did you know? That according to MLB.com scribe Scott Merkin, the White Sox are 8-0 in games this season when they hit three or more home runs. My math says that that is good. Hashtag confirmed. Wow. I reached out to multiple sauces, and I did get the confirmation on it. 8-0 is good. I think it would behoove the White Sox 
to utilize the multi-home run strategy more frequently because it seems to work. I just like fireworks, especially when these things are hit at home. There wasn't enough of them yesterday for my liking. Uh, if I was at the ballpark today, would have been very, very, very happy uh, to have seen more of Jerry's money up in the air blowing up. So, yeah, like that funnel cake probably would have gone up in the air too, Tony. Yes. Did enjoy a funnel cake yesterday. We'll we'll talk more about the ballpark experience and stuff as we go through the show. But yes, the funnel cake might have been lost. We've we haven't had a funnel cake incident yet this year, so I'm waiting for the first one. Yeah, uh, yeah, a little, a little bit of sprinkles on the uh, pants and uh, shorts last night, but overall, uh, I think you're fairly clean with it. So, uh, yeah, um, you know, it, it, last year it was Gavin Sheets sending that f- uh, funnel cake uh, f- from Why? your hands into orbit. So, yes. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, let's talk about a couple of these guys that hit home runs there. Uh, and and this, you talked about, Steve, it would behoove them going forward here. Well, these two guys can help do it um, in A.J. Pollock and Eloy Jimenez. That's back-to-back games with home runs for Eloy now. And then A.J. Pollock. Uh, came up with a clutch hit last night. Looks like he may be getting into one of his hot stretches. I know he is kind of a, uh, you know, uh, kind of all or nothing, I guess is what it feels like when it comes to A.J. Pollock. But um, if we're going to get hot here, a good time to do it, right? You're absolutely right, Johnny. This guy, A.J. Pollock, is one of the more streaky players in the major leagues. We've seen that here just in the 90 plus games that he's been a part of the White Sox organization this season. And they've got a 19-game stretch coming up here against some of the weak sisters of Major League Baseball, it would certainly be a great sign if A.J. Pollock goes into one of those famed hot streaks right now um, to help kind of lift this team up a little bit here. We've seen some signs of life offensively. Again, continue to hit the ball in the air. Let's do some positive things. Hopefully this is the weekend that gets A.J. Pollock kind of turned around again and being able to produce offensively and just lengthen out this lineup. And Eloy going yard for the second consecutive day. This is what they need out of this guy. We know they're not going to get anything out of him defensively. We saw all weekend when he was in left field, Cleveland was stretching singles into doubles at will on him. So if he is going to be in the lineup, he needs to be hitting the ball in the air, and he needs to be hitting the ball over that fencing they set up prior to the game. So if he can continue to do that, again, that is just going to, Put this team in a better position to be dangerous offensively and not force Jose Abreu, Andrew Vaughn, and a recently hot Yohan Mankata to carry the load. I just love the streakiness that is A.J. Pollock because he's the he's the perfect guy to have on this team to drive people absolutely nuts. Um, and that's just so White Sox. Like, there's going to be stretches where you never want to see this guy take another at bat, and then there's times where this guy's just going to get the fucking job done for you. And you've seen that recently. So I think he fits in perfectly on the south side for that matter. Uh, but, yes, this would be an awesome time to see A.J. Pollock just kind of go off on one of those little runs. Um, obviously comes into the game in place of I would believe would be Andrew Vaughn's spot today. Um, you know, there was a bit of contention about this, and I want to just pose this question to you guys because I'm kind of just – it's really weird how this stacks up. One of our favorite former announcers, Hawk Carlson, was on 670 The Score. I believe it was Friday morning talking about how the agents have taken over this game and taken away uh, the ability for players to be in the lineup every day. And that's kind of what you heard from Tony La Russa pregame that, uh, you know, the medical staff, the trainers might be an agent involved in this decision to have Andrew Vaughn resting his legs after playing a couple of days in a row. 
Um, how much of this do you think is in the team's control to have guys like Andrew Vaughn in the lineup every day? And how important is it to have guys like AJ Pollock, who are these streaky guys, but can then come into the lineup, step up and do exactly what you would want Andrew Vaughn to do in those situations, which is produce. I don't buy into this bullshit about this being agent driven. I, I just, I'm, I'm sorry, Hawk. I, lo- I love you. I will always love you, but I'm not buying this. Um, at the end of the day, for whatever the reason, the White Sox training staff has something. They have some model or some algorithm that they are looking at <laughs> this year that is basically just saying that these guys need more days off. I can't for the life of me understand how a 24-year-old Andrew Vaughn can need a day off after they had the all-star break where they had five days with nothing. They've got an off day tomorrow. They've got another off day on Thursday. I'm sorry. This shit just doesn't add up to me. Um, again, whatever reasoning that they are using as to why these guys need to have these days off. It's just, to me, it's kind of crazy because Jose Abreu doesn't need to take the fucking days off. He just goes out there and plays because he's a fucking warrior. But yet, 24-year-old Andrew Vaughn can't. And don't give me this bullshit about he's in the outfield and this and that. This just doesn't work for me. Yeah, um, I think there might be some credence to it. Um, obviously, not in this specific situation. I don't know exactly what you know the deal with the Andrew Vaughn thing is there. You know, Tony tries to explain it away. Not you, Tony, TLR. Um, you know, uh, given just kind of, I don't know, feels like a little bit like roundabout or, you know, not satisfactory answers that, uh, you know, would put anyone's mind at ease really. Um, but with the Joe Kelly thing, right. We all saw that, right. Wasn't it in his contract that he couldn't pitch back in back days. Now I know that's a little bit of a different situation. You got a pitcher and he was coming off of a nerve issue and, you know, that kind of stuff. But, uh, I think there is, there's probably some credence to it, but then again, I think a guy like Hawk, uh, just, you know, in his uh, old school sort of, uh, the frame of thinking may, may over, inflate it but it, it i will in his defense though it is frustrating when you go and watch this and see you know you, you see these guys out of the lineup like consistent like tim anderson not starting game one yesterday well didn't jose ramirez play both games i know he dh one game but we we had a good laugh about that in lot b and it was more of a kind of uh you know laughing to mask the uh anger but <laughs> it was uh what we were talking about uh yesterday so yeah uh, tony i think there might be a little bit behind it but um, it's just frustrating, especially when like Steve like say the, the, you know, calendar is not your friend anymore. You're running out of time here. So, um, are those off days going to do you any good if you're, uh, got all off season going golfing to think about it? I don't think so. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed both of your responses because I think they came from two different places here. I just, you know, I, I get frustrated just as much as you guys do with, with some of that. But I'll go back to something, Johnny, you discussed this last year a little bit. Like, not every guy is going to be in the lineup every day. I think we've just seen too much of it for a lot of people's liking. That's, um, that's the key. And, it's too yeah, frequently. That's it's too the, frequently. Yeah, yeah that's, that's kind of where I'm at with it. I do, I do definitely think that there's some sort of training algorithm involved and steve i almost want to like generate it on windows 98 right yeah i want to dig (laughs) deeper into what this algorithm is and how it works and maybe we can fix it uh for the team we'll see what we can do but um i was just curious what your guys thoughts on uh you know that whole situation because we've seen it so continuously and i expect it to continue uh down the stretch here and and put us in some frustrating situations down the stretch where a key guy just isn't in the lineup. And one of the points of frustration and Johnny, you and I were talking about this yesterday. It would be a different scenario. If this team was six, seven games up, they're not, they're 500. They're four games out of first 
in third place. They're fighting for their lives. Okay. We fucked around and did this all season leading up to this point. And now they have dug themselves a hole. Time is of the essence here. We really, like you, like you said, you get all off season to, to fucking get rested up on the golf course. If you don't write the ship here relatively soon. And it's another thing too. I think it's important where you're at in a schedule too, because you just came off the all-star break. So you had those days off and then you get blessed with two off days next week. You don't play Monday. So after this four game weekend series, I know you had a double header, but you recoup that then on the Monday off day. Oh, and then guess what? That's only two in Colorado. And then you got an off day Thursday before you come back home. So I think that's really uh, what what chaps my ass to. If it was like the end of like a stretch of like you're playing like 18 consecutive games in like 17 days because you had to make up double header sandwich in there. Understandable. I know Tim Anderson's not going to play every single one of those. Don't get me wrong. But come on, we, we just had this off time and we've got more coming up. So that, that's that's where my frustration stems from. I love it. I, I love what you guys are bringing to the table here. Very, very good points uh, to this conversation. Um, I don't have much else on this, Johnny. What do we got next? Yeah, uh, let's see. Um, as we're you know talking about this past weekend, guys, um, I, I want to get some tailgate stuff because uh, that, that was a big part of the weekend, man. We were out there all damn day uh, Saturday, the dual doubleheader tailgate. They didn't kick us out of the lot, so uh, we were able to tailgate before game one, in between, uh, before going into game two. Um, absolute blast, boys, uh, celebrating Sean's birthday. I think we did it right. Yeah, I'd I'd agree. Had a lot had a lot of fun out there. Obviously, we were able to get a good portion of the crew up there to celebrate Sean making the uh, voyage in from Iowa. And you know, we had uh, we had some pretty good weather in there. Got to, got a little toasty there in between games one and two in in the lot. I know I've got a little bit of sunburn going here today. Nothing too bad. You know, thankfully I was able to uh, be tipped off that I needed to, you know, reapply some of the SPF um, mid mid stream there. So uh, no real casualties there from a, from a skincare standpoint. So I know all of our listeners are very concerned about that aspect of it here, but um, you know, it was a, it was a bad day to be a beer and lot B. I can tell you that. It absolutely was a bad day to be a beer and lot B. And I was, Pretty happy with the uh, the little turnout we had. We got to uh, see Southside Ron in his element. Uh, rumors have it that Southside Ron, host of Cubs on Tap, Southside Ron, uh, is now the proud owner of a Jose Abreu jersey uh, that may have been purchased in between uh, game one and game two. Um, you know, we got to, like you guys said, celebrate Sean's birthday. That was awesome uh, that he got a White Sox winner to walk away with at the end of uh, at the end of the night. Uh, there was funnel cake consumed, as Johnny mentioned earlier in this broadcast. Uh, you know, the, the shorts were okay at the end. Uh, I don't want to say I'm thankful the White Sox didn't hit a home run while I had said funnel cake, but uh, I'm, I'm just happy that was intact. Uh, game one, I know you guys were sitting down the right field uh, foul line. We were sitting uh, over behind home plate. Our group had some excellent talk that you guys missed out on about favorite beef places What's the best beef place in Chicago that has the best burger? Not Italian beef that has the best cheeseburger on their menu. So there was some discussion about that um, that maybe we'll have to break into. I know Besnick brought his favorite choices. Southside Ron brought his favorite choices. Our guy, Pat Bodeway, who cuts these clips and puts them up on YouTube. If you see them up there, that's our guy, Pat Bodeway. He brought his favorite burgers. So 
I got to lean it over to you guys and question number one for uh, tailgate talk. Best burger from a beef place, a, a Chicago beef establishment. I'm going to have to plead the fifth on this one because generally, you know what, if I'm going to a beef establishment, I'm going there for the beef. It's not like, you know, if you, if you go to Aurelio's or, or to, you know, some pizza place, you don't go there for the fucking salad. That's why we're talking about hidden gems that are well, out there, Steve. Hey, listen, I like to stick what is tried and true. When I go to a beef restaurant, I'm getting the beef, plain and simple. I'm usually up that alley there uh, with you, Steve. Uh, I would go and get the beef because I'm an absolute sucker for some hot jardinera on Italian beef, uh, obviously dipped, of course. Um, but if I was going to go that, Tony, what I saw, I, I will say Portillo's. It's a, you know, sure, it's chain and whatever, but it is also, you know, I do enjoy the beef. And then they also have good burgers, too. So I saw that you uh, had to get yourself one while you're watching this uh, series finale today. So I like that one. And then this one, I don't think this answer counts, but there's a little place uh, in Joliet called Hamburger Seria. So it's actually, you know, burger first, but they make a really good beef, too. Um, but that would kind of be that's like my like go to, I guess, where I could get either. Well, yes, uh, Besnick was our guy. He was just in the comments. He's the one that inspired my my game food choice for today, which was a Portillo's cheeseburger. It was absolutely phenomenal. I actually brought Al's beef to the table as my choice. Uh, used to uh, get the Al's beef burger when those were a little bit more prevalent out here in the Burbs. I know most of those have closed down, but the Al's beef burger was absolutely phenomenal with their fries. Uh, so that's what I brought to the table. If you've got a favorite burger from a beef place let us know in the comments and maybe we'll send our guy aaron fitzpatrick out there Ooh, to yeah. go review some burgers yeah on untap yeah. eats yeah he, he's so. got a couple of those so make sure you're subscribed to untap sportsnet on youtube not only can you find those kinds of videos there uh you know aaron fitzpatrick doing some food reviews over there always love to see that uh he usually gives those a good uh spin through uh gives you a thorough breakdown of them but you can also find uh, these live shows there uh, so make sure you're subscribed. That's on tap Sportsnet on YouTube. Uh, and then drop your comments in here, just like our guy Besnick did, uh, suggesting the Portillo's hamburger. And we can feature them uh, right here on the show like so. So, all right, John, let's move into a next topic here. One guy that the White Sox were without this weekend is Luis Robert. Robert, uh, unfortunately, no R rolls for the next week, guys. Uh, earliest he can return is Friday, still experiencing some of those lightheadedness uh, symptoms. So how concerned are we about Luis Robert's injury? I think there is definitely cause for concern here because we are now nine days out from when he was removed from the game in Minnesota on that Friday evening, and they still haven't been able to pinpoint what exactly the issue is here. Still talking about the dizziness and the blurred vision that was plaguing him. Again, at this point here, you know, nine days after the initial incident, to not have an idea as to what the root cause of this is, that is very concerning um, because I think we can all agree here that Luis Robert is not someone that this team can afford to be without for a sustained period of time. Given all the injuries and underperformance that we've seen from this team this year, to take a dual threat like Luis out of this lineup for any length of time coming up here, specifically down the stretch run here in the final two months of the season would really be very detrimental to this team. And if it is going to be severe, Rick Hahn's got, you know, about nine days to try to figure out how you address that uh, to make up for that absence in the lineup. And so good luck if that's the case. Well, I just like to say that this is a byproduct of the White Sox algorithm that was written on Windows 98 being stuck. 
and they just can't like they physically can't insert him into the lineup because the computer program doesn't allow them to so they had to come up with something uh lightheadedness is just what they tagged it as but really they're trying to fix the computers over there at 35th and shields and they need a new it guy um but that's enough tinfoil hat time talk there's one injury that kind of reminds me of this Luis Robert thing as a Blackhawks fan. And that's Corey Crawford. And that's what makes me really, really concerned about this. I know our guy Sockside Mike's in here. He says it could be vertigo. I, I, I know people who've had vertigo. It's it's a couple months of some rocky, rocky stuff. We're talking lightheadedness, those symptoms that are going on there. I've watched the play where he slides in at home a couple of times. There is a little bit of a jerking motion that rollover with picks his head up a little bit. It could, it, it, maybe he didn't have to bang his head, but maybe something got jarred here. Maybe something happened on that play. Maybe it's not even that play at all. Well, if, it funny, is, if it hasn't been a positive I, COVID test at this point, there's something so funky Tony, going on can, and it's scary. Can I just jump in really quick? And I want, yeah. I would, in my reasoning for saying, I would not point to that play, the very last one that we saw him in, um, because in that first inning, because what he's played the, yeah, bo- yeah bo- both halves of that. Um, when he was out in the field too, he even the day before he had a couple like odd reads. Um, yes. It just looked like he wasn't himself out there. Um, and like at first you thought, oh maybe he just didn't see the ball off the bat right. But when he does it like you know you know multiple times, then it's like all right, so something ain't right there. So he looked like you know um, what, what would we say? He looked, he looked a little stoned out there. To be honest with you, and, <laughs> that's what yeah. it looked like. So and John, I would, Johnny, I would you point to that play not being it. Yeah, Johnny, you bring up an interesting point. We talked about this yesterday. The triple that Buxton hit to lead off, I think it was that third inning in that game on Friday when he took just a very odd route and the ball ended up behind him on what was really a catchable ball. Yeah, yeah, on Thursday night you're talking. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so you, you go back and, and you look at that and initially you're just watching that and thinking, what is, what is going on here? What is he doing? And if there is something neurologically happening there, um, that kind of – makes a little more sense now as to what we were seeing defensively from him in that series in Minnesota here. So just hopefully so they can get Steve, this. Did you hear the full segment with Rick Hahn talking about that? This is a problem with him uh, reading balls off of bats and seeing from a distance um, was actually I, called out by, I believe it was Rick Hahn. Um, and that leads me to believe that all of those five balls that were hit to him are in question here. What did he actually see off the bat? Is he just, not gauging things is it an eye problem could it be a wrong contact prescription i mean that can that can mess with you too i don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole here but i know i've had contacts that like i've tried you know you go to the eye doctor you sit down you put the the thing in front of your face and they say can you see better this way or this way who the fuck knows but if you're having trouble seeing off the bat and you're a center fielder that's one of the most important elements of your game yeah, I generally try not to listen to Rickon talk at this point. Um, there's, there's, there's only so much you know lawyer speak that I can stomach on a daily basis. Make me sick. Just, just going out there and just opening mouth and saying words without really saying anything of substance at all. I get enough of that during my day job dealing with some of the attorneys that I do. Um, so I don't really need to hear it from a guy that's supposed to be the general manager of my baseball team. Okay. Let's one thing though. We're talking about all this and yeah, sure. Obviously all very concerning and the symptoms haven't subsided yet, which is, you know, obviously the big kind of concern here. It's more than just a headache. It's more than just a, you know, uh, feeling off for a couple of days, but 
Okay, he was playing catch and did some sprinting in between the games yesterday. So that is the last physical update. And you, you, Rickon can't frame that, whatever. You saw what you saw. James Fegan posted the video to Twitter. So we did see that. That is at least encouraging because prior to that, he had not done any baseball activities. So off the very limited information we have, that is at least one small minuscule positive in my mind. I'd agree. I think that's certainly a step in the right direction. I know when I showed you that tweet from uh, James Fegan yesterday in between the games there, I think I was surprised. Yeah. Yeah. We, I think we both were. So to see that happening, Hey, that's um, hopefully a step in the right direction. And I know Han had talked on Friday and I did hear the little clip that they are operating under the assumption that he will be ready to go next Friday when they return home against Oakland. I hope that's true because obviously this team is much better when they have Luis Robert in the lineup. Yeah, interesting timing, too, I think, uh, because, of, like you had said, Steve, if it's going to be a long-term issue, you don't have much time to figure it out here. August 2nd, trade deadline, coming up soon. Uh, and that's a topic that we'll get to uh, later in the show. So, all right, let's move on from Luis Robert injury. Uh, thanks for everyone tuning in here, dropping some comments here. Uh, you're tuned in Sunday Funday with Socks on Tap. All right, uh, let's get into... Uh, Next sort of uh, kind of topic from the weekend, my guy, Lance Lynn. I'm a Lance Lynn enjoyer. I enjoyed that start Saturday night. Hey, guys, I think we need to give ourselves some credit here. Um, We did the proper pregame for Lance Lynn. In between games, it was all ZZ Top, blasting through Lot B. Uh, I threw on the Fear the Beard shirt, the Lance jersey. Uh, We we were getting him jacked up. Uh, He he made a call for, uh, you know, rally call for the Lance stands to stand up. Uh, And guess what? Uh, Lance stood tall. Uh, with a strong outing in his first one post all-star break here. What'd you like from Lance? First, Johnny, I just want to take this one from you, Steve. The credit has to go to you because earlier on in the season, you talked about a day where you had worn a shirt that, you know, you realized you shouldn't have been wearing and you took it upon yourself to go to Lappy, change your, your wardrobe and, and get the, the positive mojo back into the ballpark with the, with the right, apparel choices so i'll turn it to steve for the actual technical analysis of this but i wanted to say you got to give credit where credit is due and you deserve so much credit for that lance lynn start bravo thank you listen johnny spoke it into existence i mean that's that's what we got to start there so again if we're going to credit anybody here aside from lance lynn because i mean he did make the pitches but aside from him johnny you're the guy dude you made this thing happen you got to support your guys. He is my guy. Support That's... him fully through all the bullshit, through the, you know, r- really rough first half. It's tough to watch that. It's tough. He's tough on himself about it. But guess what? He's a gamer. And outings like last night are the reason why you extended this guy. That's exactly what it's all about. And he went out there and he was aggressive getting ahead in counts. That was a big thing yesterday. And the fact that he only had one walk. This has been a problem for this team for most of the season is they are issuing too many walks. So Lance Lim went out there yesterday and was attacking in the strike zone. Again, he was able to get six strikeouts against this Cleveland guardians team that puts the bat on the ball better than any other team in major league baseball. So that is definitely an encouraging sign for Lance Lim because they need the big bastard to get back to the guy he was last season. If this team is going to get over the hump here, finally start to build some positive momentum, here in the second half and work towards trying to clinch this division title. One quick observation that I'll hand it over to Tony was that um, while the fastball is still, you know, kind of in that, I would say, you know, and it depends on which variation he's throwing. Right. Uh, but it kind of sits in that like 91 to like 94 uh, range right now. I would say 
they look better. And I go to a guy like Matt Foster. He only throws like 93, 94 as well. But the way, you know, Matt Foster does it a little bit different with hiding it. But you could tell Lance has a little bit more of that snap. It looked like he was able to finish through them. Uh, because when he's getting those high fastballs, a guy's swinging through it. Uh, if he's able to catch up to it, he could really pop that thing out uh, to left field. But he was getting swings and misses on those uh, up in the zone. It looked like he had some nice ride on it. So that, that's what I enjoyed uh, seeing from Lance last night. Yeah, you know, Johnny, I just want to just say real quick, this is probably one of the better Lance Lynn starts of the year. And if anything, you want it to be kind of his next stepping stone, seeing him, you know, at least replicate or do better in his next start. As Steve kind of pointed out here, you're going to need him to get back to that level that you saw from him last year. Now, maybe that's not going to be something that he's able to uh, get to in this season. And, and that, that will suck. I mean, obviously when they signed him to that extension, you expected him to perform to a certain level. And I would say that hasn't been met at all yet uh, since Penn has gone to paper. However, he is going to be so important. We talked earlier today about how Dylan Cease is that number one guy for this ball club right now. Say we do uh, pull out this division. You got to hand the ball to somebody in game one. I would say that Lance Lynn has got to make a case because you know he's a competitor. If if Dylan Cease is going to outpitch him and deserve that ball in game one, looking at the rest of the rotation, you know Lance Lynn's going to want the ball in game two. So you want him to get back to that ace-level shit that he had last year. No, he's not going to be the overpowering guy in this rotation. No, his stuff isn't going to move as much as some of the other guys. But if, you, if you're looking for somebody to be a workhorse, somebody to be consistent every fifth day, there's one guy who's been there over the course of his career in this rotation that can Dane do it. Dane Dunning? It's not Dane Dunning. It's Lance fucking Lynn. And I want more ZZ Top, Johnny. I want this to continue. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing big things out of the big fella over the final stretch of this year. I cannot wait for the next Lance Lynn day because it's a Lance Lynn day and we get to see the big bastard throw again, of course, and see if you can build on this. But we also have an excellent socks on tap Lance Lynn meme featuring yours truly uh, coming out uh, for the next Lance Lynn start. So I think you all enjoy it. So uh, make sure you're uh, following us at socks on tap uh, on Twitter. Uh, go and see that next Lance Lynn day. All right, let's move on to the next one here. And a guy that made his return uh, to the lineup. He has money's back, Stephen. Uh, what do we like from him? Three for, uh, what was it three for four, three for five in uh, game one of Saturday's doubleheader? And then uh, I believe he also had an RBI on Friday night, and then he had another hit uh, in the nightcap of that doubleheader. So uh, he has money. Good to see him back. Obviously not driving the ball yet like we would like to see. However, um, he's helping the team out right now. Yeah, you know, the power is probably something that will take a little bit of time to materialize here. But for all of the people that, like to glorify 1960s baseball that only obsess about batting average and all of that other nonsense. Um, you know, Yaz hitting four singles in, in the two games yesterday, fighting off some tough pitches and doing so with two strikes. And we even saw one of those hits kind of going the opposite way, shortening up his swing a little bit and beating the shift because everybody knows that's a hot button issue. Why can't these guys just go the ball the other way when they have the shift on? Well, Lance Lynn, or excuse me, Lance Lynn, <laughs> Yaz Money did that yesterday. So that's definitely a positive here. Um, obviously, he was working counts. He did take another walk in there um, in one of the games yesterday. So adding some plate discipline, adding a sound offensive approach, something that this lineup desperately needs. Again, I think the power is something that will take a little bit of time to materialize here. But having him back in this lineup, if he can start producing, 
again, just going to create a little bit more length and make this a more dangerous lineup. If you go back to our last Sunday Funday episode, we identified him, at least Steve and I did, as our biggest X factor for second half. And I believe Tony said Tim Anderson, but you did uh, agree with us in that. Yeah, this is important uh, for this team. So it was just good to get the first taste back because it had been, you know, about a little over a month uh, since we'd seen him. It was early June uh, when he left. And it sucked because he was just starting to kind of hit a little bit more consistently. Once again, not the power, but when he, you know, uh, left, he had, you know, I think it was seven of his last eight games had it hit in and had like three multi-hit games in there too. So um, I, I was just happy to see him back uh, on the field. I like to see him back behind the plate now. I know he's the DH role for those, but um, I, I think that'll come too. And uh, obviously you saw last year, uh, it was even after the surgery, it wasn't a totally lost cause. Actually, he was pretty damn dangerous uh, when he came back last year. So let's hope uh, he's progressing towards that mode. Yeah, guys, I was just happy to see him come back and pick up where he left off. It kind of felt almost seamless. Uh, good at bats. Uh, just doing what you expect from Yasmani Grandal, and that's that's a good thing uh, to see if you're a White Sox fan. Um, I, I want a lot of homers from him in the second half, guys. I, I really do. I hope that the, the power starts to come back a little bit. I, he's a guy that's been banged up a, a lot over the last two years. So, I mean, oh, the algorithm isn't going to get him in the lineup every day, but when he is in the lineup, I'm liking these three hit appearances. I'm liking the getting on base thing. Uh, I'm just liking everything that he brings to the table, especially on the offensive side of the game, even though somebody who looks at batting average might not say that he's doing it all too effectively, but man, he's just another guy that extends this lineup down. He is the farthest thing from an automatic out. um, And that's so important in the middle of the lineup guys. I know you, went off on uh, just so many reasons why he is, you know, a second half X factor for this team. Really good to see him get back in the lineup, pick up where he left off. And uh, he's another guy that uh, I, I hope to expect big things from over the course of this, if he can stay healthy. All right, yeah, another wardrobe-related note there, Tony. The Yaz jersey and headband are washed and ready to go, ready to rock and roll for the second half. Hey, uh, you had three hits when I wore it to game one. Obviously, I changed into the Lance tire for game two, but uh, I'm just going to keep doing that, uh, keep, keep uh, you know riding with my guys. So uh, good to see Yaz back. All right, it, it, we have reached the point in Socks on Tap Sunday Funday. This is the venting session segment, okay? A lot of questionable decisions by Tony LaRussa. The floor is yours. Get whatever frustrations you want out. And after we air them, we're just going to move the fuck on because there is trade deadline talk to be had. But let's go. This is your time to vent about some of the questionable decisions we saw throughout the course of this weekend. For me, it's going to come down to the lineup. It's going to come down to these off days. We got into this a little bit earlier. Andres Jimenez started at second base in the All-Star game for the American League. Played five innings. Played every game this weekend. But Tim Anderson can't. Andrew Vaughn can't. I'm tired of this shit. We're at a point. This team's 48 and 48. They've got 64 games left here by 66. Whatever, whatever the whatever the number is. Hashtag math. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I didn't major in in math. It's fine. Um, the fact of the matter is this: all Steve stats are now with an asterisk. <laughs> At the end of the day, the calendar is not the friend. It's time to get down to business here. It's time to quit coddling these guys. If they want to rest, they can rest in the offseason. 
you fucked around. You dug yourself a hole by doing this early on in the season. Hit delete, delete the algorithm, get rid of it. They need to fucking play. Jose Abreu can't be the only guy that you can count on every single day in this lineup. Guys need to play. Tony needs to be going out there, putting out his best lineup every single day at this point. Time is of the essence. It's fucking go time. That's it. All right. I, I will just go to the bullpen then. Steve, I think you covered some lineup stuff. I shared the same two manners and frustrations. Let's go bullpen game two. Jose Ruiz should not be in that situation. You're talking about, I uh, was at seventh inning there um, it, it, when he entered the game and obviously White Sox squandered that lead. Uh, Reynaldo Lopez had to come in and mop up for him. Uh, Reynaldo Lopez should have just been out there and Reynaldo Lopez should have covered seven and eight. And then you figure out maybe Kelly for ninth, whatever you're going to do there. I know it was Foster that did end up locking it down after the White Sox rallied, but Jose Ruiz should not be in that. Uh, we had to bring out the meme, Tony, the when Jose Ruiz exists. There you go. Take a sip of your beer. Um, yeah, th that's that was my, you know, it, like I said, Steve covered the Tim Anderson stuff. And we talked a little bit earlier about usage. But when it, when it comes to the bullpen there, I've just never been a fan of Jose Ruiz. And the situation in which you were in there, only three-run lead, um, not the time to fuck around with that. Just go to Raylo. He can take care of the two innings. So hopefully that mistake doesn't persist, but I'm not going to bank on it. And one thing to kind of piggyback off of there, Johnny, we were dumbfounded by this when we were sitting at the game yesterday. We had a perfect view happen. of the bullpen, yeah. Right, we had a perfect view. Ruiz gives up the leadoff single, and then immediately Raylo gets up. If we're doing that with one base runner, why is he not just starting the inning? We need that monkey meme, the... The WTF? Yeah, that, that, that's how we all felt. That, that's how we all looked down there, uh, down the left field line. All right, Tony, uh, you might take it a different direction. So, uh, floor is yours. I don't know why he's going to Liam Hendricks in a tie ball game in the ninth uh, yesterday. Uh, this was uh, just brutal uh, managing uh, and on Tony LaRusso's part, finally giving in to everybody on Twitter that thinks that relievers can pitch in any situation just because their stat card looks good. Absolutely lame and weak move from TLR here to finally give in to the stat nerds. Should have went to Raylo. It was completely abysmal, you know, bullpen mismanagement here uh, by Katz, TLR, everybody involved. You know, Alex Calame would never have entered the ball game in that situation. Because he wouldn't have been trusted to hold a you can't, game. Well, you can't trust Liam either because you just watched it in person, Steve, with your eyes. So, uh, you know, I thought that that was my biggest gripe yesterday. Um, so that's, that's I'll leave it at that. All right. Interesting directions there. I like it. I, I like the uh, diversity of opinion that we have here. Um, I believe I will, diversity yeah. is an old, old wooden yeah. ship yeah. that was yeah. used in the Civil War. Civil War era, yeah. <laughs> All right. Th that's it. Venting session's over. We said we were just going to get it out, be done with it, and we are done with it. All right. Moving on here. It's Sox on Tap Sunday Funday. Uh, trade deadline's coming up, as we know. So let's discuss just a few White Sox needs here briefly. And one of these uh, coincides with injury news because Aaron Bummer is targeting a September return. We knew he was going to be out for a while now but this is like you know major chunk of the season here tanner banks only lefty there um i know they've had you know a couple other guys come in and out bennett souza anderson severino early in the year though that's not the cast that you need left-handed reliever so rick Hahn identified that need specifically um and then maybe kind of you know lawyer speak the way uh around the other needs here but let's go ahead and talk um you know potential targets maybe anyone that you'd like or any other needs go ahead and air them out here okay so if we're talking left-handed pitchers there's two guys that I really have circled right now. And you may or may not see some words about them at ontapsportsnet.com later on this week. If we're going to start the discussion on, in the bullpen side of it here, 
One guy I'm looking at, Andrew Chafin with the Detroit Tigers, has historically been death on left-handed hitters. He is in the division right now. Um, had a rough outing, admittedly. Um, Would Cubs yesterday. fans lose their minds? I don't care about them. I don't yeah. care. He was like there for like half a year. Yeah, but and they, like yeah. they made like all these obvious shirts about. I think it'd be hilarious just for what, the story. What's line. What's funny is on Twitter.com yesterday I saw a side by side of him and Kenny Powers. That's what we need. That's the energy that we need. He needs to be going out there striking out somebody in the striking out Alex Kirilov or Max Kepler to close out the seventh inning, saying you're fucking out, Kenny Powers style. That's what this team needs right there. So you make that happen, I'll I'll be a happy camper. Um, You're fucking out. I'm fucking in. <laughs> exactly. Listen, that's the that's the type of mojo that this team needs right there. Another guy on the pitching side of it, um, and I think that this is more so on the starting aspect of it. And I think there could be some machinations that could that could be utilized with him. Old friend Jose Quintana from the Pittsburgh Pirates. I think. I've talked about this a number of times. I believe that a starting pitcher is going to be needed for this team, given the innings limitations of Michael Kopech. Um, so if you can add in Jose Quintana, then that's a guy that you can utilize in the postseason if you get there, because we've seen time and time again over the last four or five years, postseason baseball is managed differently than regular season baseball. You're not letting very many guys face in order a third time in October. So if you could have someone like Jose Quintana that can go out there and give you multiple innings in October, that would be very beneficial for this team. So those are two areas that I'm really looking at, two key guys that I think could benefit this team. I would love to see a return of Mr. Q, and I will note that he has turned it around mightily from his dog shit campaign uh, that he started with the Angels. Then I believe he was a DFA, ended up going to the Giants. Um, it, it was a rough year for him, but um, he has bounced back. And yes, I agree uh, with that piece there. And Chafin, there's a little uh, piece on untipsportset.com. Our guy, Aitkins, uh, wrote way before uh, trade deadline kind of talk heated up, but uh, identified Chafin as a possible ta- uh, target there. Um, so go and check that out, untipsportset.com. Tony, all you. You know, this is going to be an interesting trade deadline, uh, especially given the fact that the White Sox are not where they thought they would be uh, entering, you know, basically prime trade season. Um, you are still chasing the division. Uh, the Sox do at this point look to be buyers because the AL Central is the AL Central. So uh, the fact that the Sox are in a position to do this where you know, they're sitting third place in their division right now. You're going to go look to buy. Obviously, on paper, your roster still looks good enough to win this division. It's it's a really weird spot to be in. Um, <clears throat> I just think that, you know, you're going to have to go make some sort of impact move, especially with an arm, whether that's bullpen or starting rotation. I think, Steve, you brought up two big names uh, that the Sox can go and acquire that probably not going to cost an arm and a leg to, to obtain something of that elk but you but, can obtain an arm haha yeah um man just threw me off with that one that's good uh you know i just think that uh at this point rick Hot has already said something that i think is kind of like very interesting that the bullpen needs help obviously uh that the fact that that is what we're talking about after two years of rolling into the season thinking that our bullpen is going to be one of the stronger uh, bullpens in the game, one of the stronger sh- suits for the White Sox. The fact that we are still here, A, number one, speaks volumes to the fact that pitching just, A, doesn't hold up as well as you think it does, and B, 
the fact that you may have allocated resources and money wrong. Uh, I'm not I'm not saying, but I'm saying you may have allocated resources wrong. Um, perhaps. I, perhaps. The, the hard part for me with all of this, and I've said it for years, the last time Rick Hahn tried to buy at a deadline, it blew up in his face. Most of the Rick Hahn moves in the buy mode are not the same type of moves that you've seen when Rick Hahn is selling pieces off. That is the one thing that this GM has not successfully done yet is get his team over the hump at the trade deadline. It is the biggest question mark that I have for this team. Can they win the division as is without making an addition? I don't know. That's on one man's shoulders, and he has yet to answer the bell when it comes to putting his team over the hump. I have very low expectations for this because history has told me to have low expectations for this. So guys, it could be a starting pitcher. It could be a relief pitcher. You could shake the whole fucking thing up. Whatever he does, I hope it works out. But my faith right now as a White Sox fan is fairly low. And even if he makes the right moves, you, you kind of have that feeling that they're not going to pan out, right? Because Cesar and Kimbrell were actually pretty solid at the time, addressing your needs sort of uh, exactly. And it's, it's year, not, right? it's not like, just, it's not just, it's not just him doesn't go out and try and right. make that move. Right. Right. It, I give him, we gave him credit on this show last year. Rightfully we so. all said, this is awesome. We're excited, jacked up. There was ponytail gang t-shirts printed up by the white Sox. There, there was all sorts of hype around this. And then what does he do? So it's not just about the move being made. It's about the player being effective once he's been acquired by this team, fitting in with the group, being part of a team that's going to go win and chase something. The buy mode moves for Rick Hahn have seemingly blown up in his face time and time again. Hey, Ryan Tapero was good last year. Ryan Tapero was great. He was, yeah. He was great. Is he helping this ball club right now? Rental. So, yeah, no, all valid points there, Tony. And I agree that, um, you know, I, even when I'm probably going to take it a little bit more at the grain of salt this year and just what the players show me what they can do instead of just getting all jacked up. You know what? I fuck that. We're probably going to get all excited anyway if they do make some yes. moves. So uh, I'm just lying through my teeth here. So, uh, yeah, the inevitable cycle here. Can't wait for it. All right. There's one name that I have to mention. We don't need to spend a whole lot of time about it because there's already a great post on ontapsportsnet.com. Our guy Sox Insane wrote, and it is titled, does Juan Soto make sense for the White Sox? And um, I, like I said, seems far-fetched. And I believe th- that is just in terms of, we know the history of the White Sox here. But I would be remiss if we didn't mention it here and at least let you guys get your two cents in regarding possible Juan Soto acquisition. Yeah, listen, our, our boy Besnick, he did a nice job breaking down this rumor and the speculation from a variety of different angles. But the thing that I just keep coming back to is... From my perspective, the White Sox don't have the capital to meet the acquisition cost and won't have the willingness to meet the retention cost. So therefore, it simply doesn't make sense to me. And that's really all I have to say, Counselor. I kind of agree with Steve on this one. You know, the White Sox have been linked to Soto back before he even signed with the Nationals. Um, And, you know, I, I... I fully believe actually one thing that Rick Hahn said when he, uh, he told the media that there's not a premium player that doesn't change teams that we haven't had a conversation about. Um, 
yeah, I would expect them to. Um, so that's great. Glad we've had conversations about him. Uh, as much of a pipe dream and, and how awesome it would be to have Juan Soto on this White Sox roster, I think it's almost you're taking a step back if you were to acquire Juan Soto here. The only scenario in which it makes sense for me for the White Sox to have gone out and tried to acquire Juan Soto at this deadline is if they were 10 games back out, not trying to do anything this season, and maybe you try and retool it around Juan Soto. I think we're having a totally different discussion, but we're still married to this group right now, this core. Uh, the White Sox seem to believe that they are going to attempt to do it with the players that Rick Hahn has locked up, so to speak, um, in this group of players. And it's going, it's going to take somebody of that group, if not multiple uh, names uh, that are in that group of players who've already signed extensions with the White Sox uh, to play over the next couple of years at the major league level. Uh, the, the prospect capital in the, in the minor league system is, is very thin. So unless the Sox were blowing it up this year in hopes of retooling around uh, for next year, I don't think that the White Sox are in these conversations as much as uh, uh, they would be if they were in a different position right now. I just don't think it's the right time for them to try and acquire something like that, um, given where they're at in terms of finances, players locked down. Um, and, and let's be honest, you're just acquiring another outfielder here to throw into this mix that would maybe wind up sitting a day so that Gavin Sheets or A.J. Pollock can get some at-bats um, you know, if you if you do throw them into that mix there and don't include a couple of those names like an Andrew Vaughn or something of, of that stature. So I just don't think that the fit is right. Obviously, he's a generational talent that's I would love to see him uh, at 35th and Shields in a White Sox uniform. I just don't think that this matches up as well as some people want to make it out to be. All right, interesting angles. I would go ahead and maybe disagree a little bit on that last point that you made there, Tony. He absolutely fits. The White Sox have been searching for a left-handed, uh, you know, competent outfielder, and obviously you talked about his general ta generational talent there. Uh, so I would say in that regard, yes, absolutely. But in terms of the X's and O's of getting that thing over the hump, Absolutely not. No way they could absolutely they could do it. I'm just going to go and squash that right now. Another thing that you need to consider is that Washington is looking to unload Patrick Corbin's deal. And I don't think Jerry would be too happy about taking on uh, that contract um, in addition to the potential of thinking about signing Juan Soto to an absolutely mega deal uh, down the road. So that's just where I stand on it. Um, but let's move on then. Uh, we, we've got that done. We'll have more on trade deadline stuff. I think we should do a trade deadline special uh, on that night so we can either... Uh, um, you know, bitch and moan uh, about lack of inactivity or poor moves, oh, or or we can get ourselves all hyped up uh, for only them, only for them to uh, you know falter down the stretch because hashtag that's so White Sox. All right, closing down Sunday Fun Day here, guys. Uh, looking ahead to the next uh, series, a little short one out in Colorado, quick two game road trip. It'll start Tuesday night, seven forty p.m. Michael Kopech uh, taking the bump here. Um, be nice, you know. It's a little mini one, but let's get the little brooms out. Let's get the little brooms out for Colorado. Their team, the White Sox, should take care of to start a stretch of bumsling. What we hope is, Steve. You're absolutely right. You tweeted this out earlier. 19 game stretch coming up against the likes of Colorado, Oakland, Kansas City, Texas, and Detroit. This is the time to make the move. You want to win this division again? You want to close this gap? This is the time to do it. I need 14 and five in this stretch show that you're for real. This is what it's all about. And it starts going out to Denver course field, gorgeous ballpark. Ball's going to be flying, hit the ball 
in the air. Deploy the multi-home run strategy. You have more firepower than this Rockies team. Go on, go out there, get two wins, make it happen, set the tone. Just win ball games, like Steve said. It's that simple. Uh, you you want to call it bum slaying? Uh, I'm a little bit nervous about these being trap games for these teams against these teams. Um, White Sox seemingly this year have uh, a played better on the road than at home, though. So that's where I'm I'm leaning some confidence into this at least little stretch that we have coming up. Go, just take care of business. Don't fall victim to the we can cakewalk through this. They kind of had that mentality through the first half of the season. So it takes a, a mentality switch here. And some of that goes back to who's in the lineup every day. Some of that goes back to, uh, you know, starting pitchers still working there a bit, Lance Lynn, that type of stuff. It's time to start to put it together, so to speak, versus piecemealing it in. And having Yasmani Grandal back, having Eloy back, hitting home runs, all this other stuff. The next portion to that is I hope that Luis Robert gets healthy over this this stretch and comes back and there are no ill effects because that's going to be a huge, huge shot in the arm for this lineup if you can start to get this together again versus piecemealing it in every day. I think that'll go a long way. But, Johnny, you know the trap game in hockey? Don't make this a trap stretch. This has to be go time. Yep, go time. We've talked about go time a lot on here. All right, you guys give some good general outlooks and you're talking about the stretch, what the White Sox need to do. So I'll micro-focus it here. I'll go just Tuesday's game and uh, Michael Kopech will be interesting. We had a long extended discussion last week uh, about you know potential issues. Is there a dead arm? Is the leg still bothering him? All that. Well, we'll get our first look, second half. Um, hopefully he's well-rested, ready to go uh, and shows you know kind of that earlier in the season, sort of like May Michael Kopech that we were really, really impressed with. So that's all I'll be looking for. And then please, for the I've got it. And we're only here two games, but um, you know, the White Sox do bad job uh, about this. You know, when we're talking about Jose Ramirez, don't let him beat you right for the uh, guardians. Well, CJ Crone is probably the only real competent threat here in Colorado. So you find yourself in a tight situation and you have the opportunity to pitch around him, intentional walk him, just fucking do it. Don't let him beat you and go on to the next guy, because guess what? He will be 10 times easier to face uh, than CJ Crone would. So that would be my uh, kind of micro analysis here. Uh, and we're talking about going into Colorado, but we'll be a Interesting. So, you know, it's fun. I think interleague games are fun. It's a team that you don't play a lot. Uh, it's a cool ballpark, like you said, Steve. So some nice visuals on the broadcast there of the Rocky Mountains out there. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, kind of semi after darks coming up here, I guess one of them, because the second one's a day game, but it's a 740 start. So I don't know if the half hour later puts it in after dark territory. But yeah, that's not after dark that. territory. Yeah. For, for me, after dark territory means Pacific time zone. Okay. All right. All right, but Johnny. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it could, depending on how late these ball games go. You never know. Mike, right? Yeah. You I mean, and I on these you, airwaves post eleven o'clock, and that puts socks on tip and right. after dark. Too. Well, if you, yeah, and like I feel like you know, the, you talk about the ball being lively out there, uh, just with the elevation. Um, some of those games could get long if you're racking up some runs and you get a high scoring game, multiple home runs. I want, I want like yada, yada. if I've got two off days, Johnny. I want like. Four hour baseball games, both yeah. days. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, we already had uh, that drought of, you know, no baseball for the All Star break and then, you know, two off days here. Uh, Need it. With. So Need Monday, it. Monday is going to be, um, you know, a little bit tough to get through just because I'm ready to be back to the everyday grind of watching the Sox. But I guess if they have injury issues, whatever, um, get let them rest up and then just play fucking play everybody, both games, then please, Tony. 
please TLR, please just do that. So, all right, gentlemen, I think it was a good Sunday fun day here. Let's close things down, listeners. Thank you for tuning in, dropping your comments in here. Uh, you can get in, join in on that conversation by subscribing to ONTAP Sportsnet on YouTube. Just comment right in there, and we can go and feature them uh, on this live broadcast. Uh, you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts at ONTAPSportsnet.com as well, and on social media at SoxOnTap and at ONTAP Sportsnet. So, guys, that'll do it for now. Enjoy the off day tomorrow. We'll be back at her on Tuesday. White Sox forever. White Sox forever. White Sox for life.